Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Last week, the Wall Street Journal reported that billionaire investor Patrick Soon Shong was exploring a sale of the Los Angeles Times. The paper has had a rough few years, and the report stirred up speculation about media ownership and what the point of having a billionaire in charge really was. Joining me to discuss is Recode's Peter Kafka. Hey, Peter. Hey, Teddy. So tell me what happened with the LA Times and this story last week. Uh, the very shortest version is the Wall Street Journal reported that, as you said, the man who bought the Times three years ago is now trying to sell it. And then it had some qualifiers saying maybe he's selling a portion of it, maybe he's trying to get new investors, offered some some different uh, scenarios, but but said he's shopping it, basically. And Patrick Sun-Shung, um denied this both in a tweet and in, in a longer statement, which his own paper, the LA Times, published in full and said, nope, absolutely not. This is not happening. So there's a gap. Uh, someone's not telling the truth. So, someone's wrong here. Um, Journal has a pretty good track record here. So I assume there is some degree of truth to what they're reporting. And I think the reason the story shook both people at the Times and and, and people who care about media a bit is that Patrick Sunshang was hailed as a savior for the Times in mm-hmm. 2018 when he bought it. The thought was he might become sort of the the Jeff Bezos uh, for them. Bezos famously bought the Washington Post years ago and has turned it around. Sunshang poured a ton of resources into the Times, said this can can be a, a much bigger operation. It doesn't just have to be a local paper. It could be a national paper. We're going to do really well digitally. Hired a bunch of people. Sure. And they produced a lot of great journalism. But on the business side, um, they've really struggled. They have struggled very hard to sell digital subscriptions, which is supposed to be their way out of the hole that they're in. That hasn't worked. And there's some questions about sort of the, the way the operation is running. And to sum it up, if you have a billionaire buying what used to be one of the crown jewels in American journalism and he can't make it work, what does that say about media in general? Right, right. I mean, obviously, whether it's a sale or some restructuring or something else, not all is well at the LA Times. And uh, you mentioned Jeff Bezos uh, at The Post. I mean, there's also uh, Louis Powell Jobs, who's a billionaire uh, majority owner of The Atlantic, which has also had cuts there over the last year. I mean, what do you does this say about sort of the idea that wealthy people buying these publications is the route out of daily newspapers' struggles. I mean, it seems like in some instances with Bezos, it's worked. In others, it doesn't. Does it just depend on which particular billionaire signs up to take on this burden? I mean, there are a lot of billionaires. There aren't that many local papers or even national papers in the case of the Washington Post. And I mean, these are all sort of different circumstances. Uh, Bezos bought the Post for really a fire sale price years ago. It is a was and is a, a national newspaper. He's geared he's geared a plan towards making it more so. For papers that don't 
intend and can't reasonably claim to have a national international audience mm-hmm. um i'm not really sure it matters whether you have a billionaire or not owning you it's a it's very difficult to see how the economics of either advertising or subscriptions are going to keep mid-size and smaller papers afloat um and that's why lots of big brains are trying to go to work solving this problem and you know outside of flat out charity and some sort of unicorns like the texas tribune there are not very good answers right now it's it's quite a grim scenario Right. I mean, the Post is now profitable. Uh, the L.A. Times, I assume, is not. Uh, I don't believe it is. And again, their subscription numbers, which were out a, a year or so ago, are, are, are quite dismal. Um, and again, it's it's no fault of the journalists there. They're producing really excellent work. But just saying to the Los Angeles Times you know, market that we would like you to buy a digital subscription doesn't mean that they will do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes a lot of work. And frankly, it may just be the case that unless you have a national paper like the Journal, like the Washington Post, like the New York Times, that you may not be able to get a big enough audience to support a robust newsroom. And then it's a question of how many losses the billionaire owner is willing to to take on in order to keep their journalistic pet project going. Yeah, you don't find many billionaires who sign on for for money losing operations in perpetuity. Sometimes there's a small sort of not, you know, uh, a vanity project. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in the case of Lorene Powell Jobs in the Atlantic, which is a little bit different, the argument there wasn't that she was making cuts because she didn't want to support loss making was that she was making cuts because the pandemic had gotten rid of several business lines, most notably the conference business that didn't make any sense anymore. Not that she wasn't going to continue investing in it. And you, you know, there are, there are more successful versions of, of billionaire bailouts. Glenn Taylor in Minnesota owns uh, the star tribune there. Um, although I'm curious to see whether he hangs on to it. He's going to sell the, the basketball team. John Henry at the Boston Globe. John Henry at the Boston Globe. Sheldon Adelson, who just died, had bought the Las Vegas paper. The scarcity of local papers, I think, makes them attractive to, to billionaires. And the fact that they have been and could be important pillars of, of the local community might also be important politically for them. I'll make them attractive, but it doesn't get around the basic economic problems that all newspapers have, that all publications have in 2021. So the alternative or one alternative to to billionaire ownership is being owned by a hedge fund. And that's also been in the news over the last week. Tribune Publishing, which I guess their flagship publication is the Chicago Tribune, you know, the main newspaper for the third largest city, is going to eventually be owned by Alden Capital, which is a hedge fund that's been in the news for a while. Tell me why people kind of shudder at hearing the words Alden Global Capital. On the plus side, Alton Capital is one of the few places that has an appetite for buying local news. So that's good. But they have a well-deserved reputation for sort of gutting their publications. Uh, often they're referred to as vulture capitalists. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you, again, you wanted to be more kind to them, you could say the journalists who are concerned about that may be used to living in an era that doesn't exist anymore. But, you know, they are not known for coming in and dumping in a bunch of resources, Bezos-style, uh, like the Post does. They're, they're taking an operation that's losing money and finding ways to either stop losing money or to, if it's making a little bit of money, to extract more money out of it. You know, the most worrisome thing is if you're in a town dependent on on that paper for local information, you may be worried with some justification that you're going to get less good local information. And it's funny, you know, you mentioned nonprofit news like the Texas Tribune. I mean, one of the Tribune publications, the Baltimore Sun, seems like it's getting kind of carved out and they will be saved by a local philanthropist. So in that situation, you have the rich guy saving um, well, at least one particular Tribune publication from the vulture capitalists. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, there's sort of a, a movement towards creating this sort of a Texas Tribune-like model at other places where you have 
one rich benefactor or several rich benefactors sort of propping the thing up, but you're also selling advertising. You're also selling subscriptions. You are asking the people in the community to chip in one way or another, Mm -hmm. saying this is a communal exercise. Uh, Newspapers used to be really good businesses when they had local monopolies on on distribution and classified ads. And as we all know, the internet took all that out. And it may just be that these things don't really work as full-fledged, standalone, for-profit enterprises. On my podcast, Recode Media, we had this debate a lot. It's pretty unsettled. Um, it's worth noting that Warren Buffett, who's pretty clear-eyed about a lot of this stuff, used to own a bunch of local papers. He's no longer interested in that business. Right. And Warren, when Warren Buffett says, I'm not that interested in this stuff, that should be a flag to everybody else. So, Peter, you are a pessimist on the future of these Metro Dailies. If you were to be you know, in charge of one of these, I mean, do you think there's a, a best solution given the menu of bad options? I mean, I do think that you are going to need some degree of local philanthropy to keep these things afloat, whether it's local businesses, a, a wealthy business person or two or three. And those all come with strings, right? You know, people who buy things expect things out of them. People who donate money expect things out of that. The ideal world is where the consumer of the publication and advertisers are paying for it. And it's a, it's a for-profit thing. But I think that ship has sailed. And I am very pessimistic. And it's a real problem, not just for the journalists who work there. It's it's for those communities. And I think for, for the whole country, when you can't have reliable local news, all kinds of terrible things happen when no one's sort of watching what's happening. You can read more of Peter's work at Recode.net and follow his podcast, Recode Media, where he talks about all these big questions. Peter, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Teddy.